Ephesians chapter 5, verses uh, 15 through 17, says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Last week we talked about being creatures in time. And you live in time, don't you? I mean, you, you can't go into the future, you can't go into the past. I love thinking about things like this, because I'm sitting here thinking about it right now. Just a moment ago, when I was down there and I was doing communion, I could walk back down there, but it's, it's a completely different moment, isn't it? I can't go back to that same moment ever again. It just keeps going. I can move around to different places, and I can move back to the same place I was before, but you can't move back in time. It's impossible. We are creatures of time. And so last week, uh, I talked about this idea that uh, Paul is representing to us in Ephesians chapter 5. I believe that he's talking to us as creatures who live in time. And so I had this slide up there, living life in time. Can't ever go back. And that's important to understand that we are creatures like See, God is not like that. God exists outside of time. And I, I told you last week, I can't think about that too long. My brain starts to hurt. How can he be in the future and in the past at the same time? That doesn't make any... We, we don't get that because we're not like that at all. We travel through time. What's past is past. What's future hasn't happened yet for us. But we're living as creatures in time. Last week I focused on redeeming the time, Paul says. Making the best use of the time. Or, or some verses say redeeming. And it means to literally to buy it back. And you can't literally go back and purchase it again. You can't go back in time and fix those moments. But the truth is we, li- we have to be creatures who understand that we live in days that are full of evil. And if we think about evil, not just in the light of sin, because this word doesn't just mean sin. It's talking about suffering. I mean, just think about our testimonies and our praises and, and how they're combined with our, our, our requests. Cancer, suffering, trials, hardships. Things are going to happen in our days. And so Paul is saying, be aware of that and redeem the time. The days are evil. The days are full of this. And so as much as possible, redeem the time. Set it free. Capture it. Liberate it. It may take some sacrifice. But notice the structure of our passage as I was reading it to you. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And then he has this word, therefore. Therefore. In other words, Paul's saying, okay, because you're creatures of time, because you live in time, because you need to make the best use of time, this is what you need to do. Right? That's what the therefore is therefore. Say, okay, because of this, this is what we're going to do. This is what it's going to look like. We can't buy back the time. This is what you need to do. This is the structure of what we're talking about. Now, since uh, I didn't get to the therefore last week, I still gave you a couple of applications. I gave you two things that you could put into practice when you think about redeeming the time. Does anybody remember what the two things were? Now, we talked about one a minute ago. Avoid time wasters and adopt what? Opportunity, yeah, creators, investors, right? And so... One great thing to do, knowing that you're a creature that is in time, that you're going through time, is in order to buy back the time and redeem it, because you can't go back in time and fix it. But what you can do is be thinking, okay, 
I need to avoid things that are going to waste my time as much as possible. I mean, that doesn't mean we get rid of all leisure time. We even see Jesus taking time of rest and time of leisure. And so it's not, it's not about that. But we need to begin looking for those opportunities. In fact, that word that's translated time right there in, in the book of Galatians, that word is used. And in your Bibles, it's translated opportunity. We're making the best use or redeeming those opportunities that come our way. And so I said we need to be the kind of people that are looking for and doing things that are going to create opportunities. And I gave you some examples of things you could do. Now, the first week of 2013 is almost over. You can't ever go back to this first week again. 2013 is going to pass just like every other year. You can remember back to the days when you thought the year 2000 seemed like the distant future? You remember, remember those days? And I kept, I, yeah, the year 2000, right? I, I, I keep waiting for my flying car, you know. Where's that at, you know? If you go way back, by the year 2000, we had flying cars and everything. No, we don't have it yet. I mean, the, but all those years have passed. 13 years since the year 2000, almost. We're in the 13th year, right? They just keep rolling on. Are we making the best use of that time? How have you done so far? Now, hindsight's 2020, isn't it? I mean, you can see clearly, you can look back over this first few days. What is today, the sixth? You can look back and go, let's see, I didn't miss an opportunity there. Or I did get, I grabbed one, right? I snagged one. There was this opportunity I almost missed, and I got it. And you can look back, and hindsight is so clear. And this is what it really means to, to redeem the time. But, you know, it would be nice to be able to Though we can't travel back in time, what if? What about the future? What if we could? What if we could glance into the future and see what's coming our way? Right? It might be better to buy back the time if we could look into the future and kind of see what's coming. Well, believe it or not, there's a part of your brain that God has specifically designed just for that purpose. Now, I'm not saying you can travel in time. Of course not. But there's a part of your brain. There we go. I have a nice animated picture for you today. Isn't that exciting? Uh, this is the, the, the human brain. Notice it's showing just one side. But you see the red section there? That's called the frontal lobe of the brain. I believe you have four lobes in your brain. That's the frontal lobe. Now, what's interesting about the frontal lobe is this. Uh, let me read a, a part of a definition for you. It says, it says the executive functions. When you think executive, it's like the president, right? You know, the executive functions of the frontal lobes involve the ability to recognize, what's it say? Future consequences resulting from current actions. Right? In other words, to choose between good and bad actions, better and best, things like that. The part of your brain that kind of looks into the future and goes, what is this? If I do this, this will happen. You know what I'm talking about? Some of us, we do this naturally, don't we? I mean, there's good sides to this, definitely. Um, I can progress a little bit into the future for potential outcomes to things. If I jump off this cliff, I might die, <laughs> right? You, you think, think through. Uh, if I spend this money now, I mean, the frontal lobe is what keeps you from getting a paycheck and going, look at all this money. I'm buying a TV, Right? But no, because your, your your frontal lobe says, "Wait a minute! If I spend all this money right now, I know I got the water bill coming up. I know I got this bill coming. Up, I got to pay those things. I can't just spend this all on." You see, your frontal lobe is thinking through consequences. There's consequences for your actions. 
and your frontal lobe specifically goes that direction and thinks through those things. Sometimes it helps us to think through possibilities to keep us out of danger. I, I always struggled. We used to have a house that had a garbage disposal, and I hated when something fell down in there. Anybody else ever have a fear of doing that? Oh, I hate it. I was like, I, I do not want to stick my hand down in there to get this thing. I just knew somehow it was going to turn on. And my frontal lobe was, it, was going into the future, what that would look like. And it was scary. You know, and I'm sitting there going, oh, oh got to reach in and grab, you know, whatever it is. It's something I got to get out of there. Oh, I didn't like that. But our, our brains think that way. So it, it, sometimes it's almost uncontrollable. Our brain just automatically kind of drifts off into the future. And, and imagines future possible events. I mean, can you, can you imagine what it would be like uh, if we didn't have that ability? Now, there's some people that their frontal lobe is damaged and they, they struggle with making decisions and understanding the consequences of what they might do. I mean, what a great thing God has given us. As creatures in time, He's designed part of our brain to look, kind of glance into the future to think about where actions might lead. I just think that's really cool. That we can do that. It's, it's, it's crazy to think about what it would be like without that ability. I bet you can think about it, though. Let's think about it. I'll, get, I'll tell you how you can imagine what it would be like without that ability. I just want you to think back to when you were a teenager. <laughs> Teenagers. But here, let me tell you something interesting about teenagers. I think that you'll hear this and you go, that makes total sense. The frontal lobe of your brain is not fully developed until you're in your 20s. That makes sense, doesn't it? So your brain is not fully developed when you're... Ba- it continues to develop through, through all the way up into your 20s. And the part of your brain that's able to look through actions and consequences is not fully developed... Until they're in their 20s. This is why kids quite often in their teen years. When, when, when you say why did you do that? And they go I don't know. They're probably telling you the truth. They don't, they don't know. They weren't. Were you thinking when you did this? No they weren't. <laughs> now that's not to be meant as an excuse. But that's the reality. They're not reasoning through. Like if, if I do this. This will happen, and then this will happen. Now, some of us, we, as we get older, we have overactive frontal lobes, don't we? We think of all the potential dangers of things, that everything could happen. There's, we're thinking about all the possibilities at the same time. Oh, this could go this way, this could go this way, this could go. You, know, you think about, that's your front, frontal lobe is, is overactive. But, but teenagers, it's, it's not fully developed, and it's not fully developed until they're, they're older. This is why you uh, read in, in Proverbs a uh, verse like this, folly or foolishness. Um, Solomon tells us, is bound up in the heart of a child. Is that not the truth? Sorry, young people. Folly or foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline can drive it from them. There, there's, there's something about they can begin to develop those recognizing, okay, they may not be able to think into the future, but they might start to learn, if I do this, this is going to happen from dad. <laughs> right? They can begin to build those connections. That's so much of what Proverbs is about. That's, that's literally what, when you think about the word foolishness, that's what the word foolishness is talking about. Let me look at this verse that we're in today. Ephesians 5.17 says this, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now last week it says, don't be unwise. And some of your versions actually said foolish up at that part. 
But that word actually meant not wise. I said, don't be not wise, but be wise. Now, this place here, when it says foolish, when you see that word foolish, it's a word that means without reason, without thinking. This is exactly what I'm talking about with the frontal lobe. The reasoning is that ability to think through the consequences to my action. If I do this, this will lead to this, will lead to this, will lead to this. Now, I'm a geometry teacher, so I love logic. I love reason. And and there's, there's certain laws of logic. This leads to this, leads to this. And we can all do those things. There's a name for it. There's, there's a law of syllogism is one of those. And there's a law of detachment. These are laws of logic. And they, this leads to this, leads to this. We, we start to get those things. It's just common sense, isn't it? This connects to this, connects to this. The Holman Christian Standard Bible uh, translates this word because it means without reason. It translates that word foolish. Instead of putting foolish, it gives us this word. Nitwit. <laughs> I had to look this one up. The, the root of the word nitwit, you recall somebody nitwit? You nitwit. Uh, the, the root of the word nitwit, the word nit comes from German for not. And from the English is the wit has to do with smarts or intelligence. So this is really very much the same word as the Greek. It's without reason, without intelligence, without thinking, right? And so to, literally, here's my first point for you today. Don't be a nitwit. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to be mean. But that's what Paul says. Don't be foolish. He says, don't be someone who doesn't think about consequences. Don't be someone who doesn't think through what's going to happen if I do this, what's going to happen here, what's going to happen here, what's going to happen here. This is just common sense for so many of us. Don't be a person who doesn't think. Don't be a nitwit, right? Um, In Proverbs, we read this. This is an example of just some common sense that, that Proverbs displays. And There's so many I could have pulled out there. This one says, prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field, and after that, build the house. It's common to think through what things could be. Think through the, the logically, I need to do this before I do that, because if I do this other thing, for, don't be a, someone who's a nitwit. Or how about this one? I love this one. Jesus, and he's actually talking about deciding to be a Christian or deciding to be a follower of Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says about this. Now, we usually don't talk about becoming a Christian this way, but listen to this. It says, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, I've never built a tower, but let's say you did. Say you wanted to build a tower. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, doesn't first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. In other words, if you're going to build a building, shouldn't you sit down before you start building the building and make sure you got enough to finish the building? That's what Jesus says says, otherwise, when he's laid a foundation, is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. What's wrong with this guy? Right? He didn't think about it beforehand. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with his 10,000 to meet him who's coming with an army of 20,000? And what king wouldn't stop and think, can I actually defend my kingdom? i got 10,000, i got 20,000. Is there even a possibility? You know? If not, while the other guy is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. 
what's he doing? He's talking about thinking through, okay, counting the cost, considering. Don't be someone who doesn't think. Be the kind of person who thinks. And Jesus is even saying this in turn in regard to being a follower of Jesus. Because listen, what he says next. So therefore, if any one of you does not renounce all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Before this, he was talking about following him. You know, what if we began to talk about being a Christian like that with people? Usually, we we feel like we need to try to talk people into it. Jesus many times would say, "Think about it first. It might cost you everything. Are you really willing to follow Jesus? Are you sure? In this life, there may be great sacrifice." You know, a lot of people don't think through, even adults. I mean, we can pick on the teens. There's a lot of adults that don't think through, if I do this, this could happen. This is the consequence of this behavior. This is the consequence of this action. There's a lot of adults that don't think through these things. There's no thinking. But what I really love about this passage is this. Paul says, don't be a nitwit. Don't be foolish. Don't be a person who doesn't think. But you guys remember back in Ephesians chapter 4 where he said, put off this and put on this. Get rid of this and start doing this. Remember how he made all those connections? He makes a similar one here. He says, don't be a fool. Don't be foolish. Don't be a person who doesn't think, reason, think through things. Don't be someone who isn't using the full abilities of their frontal lobe, thinking about consequences for their action. Don't be the kind of person who ignores that kind of stuff. But he doesn't say the complete opposite end of the spectrum, which would be focused entirely on the consequences and the outcomes. What I think is beautiful about this is the way he says, he says, don't do this, but instead do this. At first glance, they might not seem like they fit completely together. Listen to this here. Therefore, do not be foolish, but what? Understand what the will of the Lord is. This is where a lot of people go wrong because, see, they, they get the idea of not being foolish. And maybe they've made some dumb choices at one point in their life and they, they finally get to this place where they say, you know what, I can't be doing that anymore. I've I got to stop making dumb choices. I've got to think about what I'm doing before I do it. I've got to think it through. And somebody said, okay, so they get the first half of this first. Don't be foolish. And they would, they're all over it. In fact, me talking about it a minute ago, yes, use your frontal lobe. I, maybe you were even sitting there thinking, maybe there's somebody in your life right now you're thinking, they need to use their frontal lobe. They need to stop being a nitwit. They need to think about things before they do. And they don't think at all. But there's another problem. Because the way to resolve this is not to simply just start thinking, right? But to understand the will of the Lord. But yet, some people, this is exactly what we do. We go over here to this, this area where we think, we're thinking about consequences. But we start thinking about them in terms of outcomes that we desire. If I do this... This will happen. I really want this to happen. So I'm going to do this so this will happen. And if I do this, maybe I can get this to happen. And if I do this thing here, I might be able to get this to happen. And suddenly we've, we've developed this, this mode of decision making that is all about control. I know what the outcome, I know the the picture of my picture-perfect life that I want. And I hope that I can get it. In fact, I want it so much, I think I can make it happen. I just got to get everybody else on board. You know the biggest problem with control-based living? 
it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And how many people have you seen? I mean, just let's be honest here for a minute. How many people have you seen that were just wonderful parents and had kids that were reprobates? Or how about the other way around? Absent parents, horrible. The kids turn out marvelous. It's weird. I, I love, uh, I, 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 you guys remember Ann Landers? I used to catch an Ann Landers here and there. And I remember this one, this had to have been 20 years ago. I read this and it always stuck in my head. Uh, there was this lady that wrote in and she was irate, she was angry because she had spent her whole life eating health food. She was 50 years old and was dying of cancer. And she had a sister who had spent her whole life eating junk, not caring, not exercising, and was healthy as can be. You can't get you. That doesn't mean... He still says, don't be foolish. Don't be a person who doesn't think. You've got to think, you know, consequences. I, you know, if I eat this, I do this. But at the end of the day... The result can't be, I've got to try to control the outcome of everything. Instead of being a fool, as you put off foolishness, and you, I I don't want to be a person who doesn't think, the ultimate in what we're going to do is to not just start thinking, but specifically to understand something, to understand what God's will is. And so, we have this problem of control-oriented living. It begins to creep up. If you just get the first half of Ephesians 5.17, don't be a fool, don't be a nitwit, you could very easily end up into control-based living. Everything about your life. Now, I, wanna, I don't want to skim over this too quick. Because as we progress through some examples here, I think that many of you might realize that many of your decisions you make are actually more about control than what they should be. But I'll come back to that. Hold on to that thought. Notice the rest of that verse said, understand what the will of the Lord is. The word understand is a cool word. It means to bring two things together. Okay? And how did we get the word understand out of that? Well, it's talking about taking your perception, how you see things, and matching it up with what's real. Right? That's why, we, that's why it's translated understanding. It's taking, bringing two things together. Talking about how you see things and what's actually the truth. That's when you understand things, isn't it? And so that's what Paul saw. He said, you've got to understand. You've got to bring together in your mind... The reality here of what? He says this, the will of the Lord. Now, this is, this is a tough one. The will of the Lord is talking about what God desires or what he wants. Okay? Now, it's tempting. Most people, when we talk about finding out or trying to understand the will of the Lord, this is usually when it creeps up into a conversation. I'm trying to decide to, to take this job or this job. Which one should I do? I, Lord, tell me your will. And I don't know about you, but 90% of the time when I come up to one of those questions and I'm asking God, I don't, he never tells me anything. Which one should I take? <laughs> you know, sin, now, I, I, there's been times when I was, Lord, you know, point me in the right direction here, and he clearly did. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of times in my life where those kind of decisions, should I buy this car or not? Should I, should I make this purchase or not? Or should I, go, should I do this thing here or not? Or should, what should I do with this part of my... There's all kinds of things that God doesn't tell. I mean, he doesn't reveal his will in that direction very often. And in fact, what Paul's talking about isn't even that anyway. 
in Paul's usage of this right here, what is the will of the Lord? He's talking about when, you, when you're going to understand what God's will is, he's talking about what does God want you to do in your day-to-day life. We get so focused on what, what does God want me to do with my decision about this or my decision about this, and there's so many things that he has clearly revealed to us in his word. That's his will, and that's what you need to do. Well, that doesn't tell me if I need to take the job or not. Maybe not. Maybe it does if you do a little digging. But let's take a look at this. Uh, In 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, I'm going to read the first couple verses just to get the context. But then I'm going to uh, uh, read the second verse. I'm going to talk about exactly what God's will is for your life. It says this, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. Keep, keep doing this. Keep walking. Keep pleasing God. Do it more and more in your life. Then he says this next, For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. And I'm, I'm leaving out the very end of this verse because it's going into another topic. But notice what he says right here. For this is the will of God. So you've, if you've ever been wondering, what is God's will for my life? Here it is. Your sanctification. Now the rest of this verse and the, the verses after this are specific examples of moral right and wrong choices. The will of God for your life is to be obedient to Jesus Christ more and more and more. What's God want from you? It's your sanctification. The word sanctification, uh, for our understanding of it, is to say it's our, it's our ongoing dedication to God. The word sanctify means to set apart for special purposes. And so sanctification is usually used in the Bible. Of, we usually talk about it in terms of, okay, you got saved, you were justified in God's eyes. And we, usually when we talk about sanctification, we're talking about growing in Christ. And that's a good way to understand that sanctification process where God is more and more in your actual life bringing you closer and closer to Him and how you actually behave. What's God's will for your life? To be obedient to the Word of God. What does this have to do with everything else we're talking about? When you're redeeming the time and you're seeking to make the best use of the time, the things that God has revealed to you is exactly what you need to do. And so instead of control-based living... Let me give it to you a different way. Let's put it this way. Live by principles. Or I could have said principle-based living. Not control. It's not about control. It's not about trying to get the outcomes that you want. It's about making decisions based on what God's Word says. Not because you think it'll work. That's where we go wrong a lot. It's not because we think it'll work. In fact, I would say this would be the, the, the crux of so many people's problems. They're attempting to manage those outcomes of life. And so they're all about doing what God says, but when it breaks down, it's usually when they're trying to get a certain outcome. We talked about this this morning uh, in Sunday school when it comes to being patient with the family or some of the other issues that we were talking about this morning. I'll just use the patient example. Some, many of us will say, yeah, I know God wants me to be patient. There's, it, we, it, it's not that we don't know what God wants us to do. We know what God wants us to do. Be patient. Be kind. We, we, we know these things. So we choose to be patient. But then you've got this person in your family. They're, they're not responding. Now, my frontal lobe says if I choose to be patient, the consequence will be they learn to be patient back. And it didn't work. 
And I think that you'd find that most of us, when we decide to take God's principles and put them on the shelf, it's not because we don't know what God wants. It's because God's way isn't giving us the outcome that we wanted. And so we think, well, if that's not going to work, I'll try this. And so instead of being patient and kind, we might turn to yelling. I wasn't being loud enough. They weren't hearing me. So if I start yelling right now or screaming at them, they'll get it. Right? I think that you'll find if you start to dig right now, start to dig deep into the choices that you make, the times when you choose to not do what God wants you to do usually isn't because you didn't know what God wanted. It's because you don't think it's going to give you the outcome that you want. There's an outcome you want. And you think, this will get it. Now, I'm all about saying that God's way works. I believe believe in God's way. I trust in His way, absolutely. I'm going to tell you right now, God's way does not always work the way our frontal lobes say it's going to work. He's got bigger plans and bigger purposes. I heard somebody say the other day, God's doing about 10,000 things in your life. You know about three of them. God's working in your life. He's doing all kinds of things. And so we need to live based on, this is what Paul says, don't be a nitwit, don't be a fool, don't be foolish, but you've got to understand what God's will is for your life. Bring it together in your life and begin doing what God says. I've even noticed there's some people that will begin obeying Scripture, especially when they hit a hard spot in their life. They've been away from God and things are getting tough and they go, I've got to get this back on track. So they show up to church, they start reading their Bibles, they're praying, they're doing all these things, and they're thinking this is going to work. What's the real goal? Still control. You need to live based on what God says and leave every outcome up to Him. Now, <clears throat> let me give you a couple of points here of application. Our application this week is almost entirely what goes on up here in your head. Okay? Uh, as what you need to do, what you need to do this week is think differently. Okay? Let me give you this first one. Number one, when faced with decisions, make them based on what Scripture says, not based on the outcome that you want. Simple enough, but it requires, it's all about what's going on up here. When you come up to a decision this week, make a decision not based on what, or make a decision based on what Scripture says, not based on just the outcome that you want. Now you don't have to ignore outcomes, but when it comes down to it, I think my I want this outcome, but God says this. Go with what God says. Make your decision. Be a principle-based decision maker. When you're faced with a decision, make a decision based on what God says. Okay? This doesn't mean you're going to be a fool, but it does mean that at the end of the day, your decisions are riding on the principles that God has laid out in His Word. Number two, this is what's going on up here. Constantly remind yourself who is in charge. You've got to tell yourself this all the time. You have got to tell yourself this all of the time. God is in control. He's in charge. I'm not. He's God. I'm not. He's in charge. I'm not. Keep reminding yourself when you come up to decisions. 
one of the one of the toughest ways that things like this begin to crumble down is you say, okay, got it. Trust God. Do do what He says. Principle based. And so you start making those decisions that are principle based, and it, things might be going good for a few days. It seems like it's working, but then what inevitably happens is something goes off the tracks. At least the tracks of what you thought was going on. I was I was shooting for this, and we're headed over here. This is not my plan. And we were good with doing what God says, but then when this starts to derail, that's when most of us begin to break down. We say, i gotta, I got to get this thing back on track. And I tell you right now, what you need to do is instead trust God and say, you know what? He's in charge of every outcome. My job is to understand the will of the Lord. I don't want to be a fool, but I have to understand God's will and be obedient to his word and leave the outcome up to him. You've got to keep reminding yourself he's in charge, not me. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I do thank you again for this day. And I ask right now that you'd help us to remember these two things. Lord, that we need to make our decisions based on what your word says. Being obedient to it. Trusting in it. Not making decisions based on how we think we can control our outcomes, but basing decisions on the principles of your word understanding what God's will is for our life is to be obedient. It's our sanctification is your will. Lord, I also pray that you would help us to keep reminding ourselves and keep looking to you as the one who truly is in charge of outcomes. Help us, Lord, to trust you. Whatever comes, knowing that you know better than we do what needs to happen. Help us to trust the direction that our life takes and put it in your hands. In your name I pray.